Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to another episode of Maximize Your Influence. Steve Olson here, along with Kurt Mortensen, ready to get more into negotiations, dirty deeds. They're filthy. Sometimes they work really awesome, too. <laughs> and we're going to talk more about them with you today. How's it going, Kurt? Hey, I'm feeling good. Love the dirty deeds. Again, we just so you know about them, not to use them. And I had a travel week last week. It was really tough. I had to go to New York City, then I had to do a tough training in a small place named Aruba, if you've ever been there. <laughs> I didn't know you went to Aruba last week. Yeah, it was just a quick trip and a little island, and it was refreshing to be on a nice island. I didn't have to fear for my life, because some of those Caribbean islands, you fear for your life a little bit. This was a nice place, and they spoke English, and it was nice. A lot of cactus, which I thought was odd, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, the beaches were nice, and it felt good. I think Aruba is still going through some reputation management, isn't it? They are. A few people still bring that up. I think they think the island's more dangerous than it actually is, but that is, it happened. It doesn't matter what, that it's fair to the island, but they're still dealing with that. that Especially if you were going to send your daughter there for spring break, I think you'd have a second thoughts. Not a great idea, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My sister-in-law was sending her daughter to France for study abroad, so we... She was right. staying at her house, and we made her watch Taken. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, don't let mom watch Taken unless you're trying to stop her from sending the time. <laughs> That's a rough one right there. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty rough. She she was tripping. But that guy that got accused in that whole case, uh, he's kind of the uh, the international O.J. Simpson. I think he got off on the, the murder or supposed murder in Aruba, but he's got all kinds of other problems in in other countries now. He's like in jail in South America. I bet he wish he confessed to this murder and he was in a nice jail in the Netherlands or in Aruba than where he is now. Yeah, yeah. He's, I think he's in some <laughs> pit down in Peru or something. So. That's right. <laughs> he got his punishment. That's worse than anything they would have done to him. Yeah, exactly. He got what he had coming. Mm. So we kind of got really dark there on some of those dirty deeds. We're going to stick more <laughs> with negotiation. Yeah. But glad you had a good time down in... In Aruba, you know, it's kind of uh, uppity. You're just like, oh, I went to Aruba. I had no idea. Well, if I would have stayed at a super club for a week and relaxed, did nothing but drink and eat and lay on the beach, that's one thing. It was a quick trip in and out. I did get a nice jog on the beach, swim in the ocean. That's very therapeutic for me, and that felt good. And it's, again, it's a nice, warm place. That's better than anything. But most places are warm this time of year. Yeah, yeah, but now you've offended all of our South Pole listeners. <laughs> That's true. Well, they're still getting above freezing, at least. They've got something. Well, last I checked, we didn't have any downloads from Antarctica. so uh, and We have to keep talking about warm climates for our Iranian listeners. <laughs> I haven't checked how that's going either lately. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I knew they were listening in the past. Maybe we've already offended them, so we'll just have to check that. <laughs> Maybe, but I've moved my sights on to North Korea. I want to get oh, some listeners go. there. Yeah. <laughs> With the massive people that have internet access there. Because persuasion matters a lot there. It right? does. <laughs> they probably using the dirty deeds. They probably are listening, but it's probably the government versus the other ones. But you know, the NSA listenership's going up because we got Korea and Iran in the same recording. That's right. That's right. Glad to have you guys listening. <laughs> I actually thinking about North Korea. I was going to say North Carolina. North Korea. 
and and dirty deeds. I took an international relations class in college, and I had a very interesting professor. He was, I don't want to say he was an intern, but he was some kind of an assistant for one of the U.S. senators on the Senate Intelligence Committee. So he got to go in all these really top secret briefings, and I guess some of them were declassified, and he could share with us some of those briefings. Told us a lot of great things about Fidel Castro and all the shenanigans that the CIA pulled against him. What was most interesting was one of the intelligence operatives that they were listening to was talking about some negotiations that they were having with North Korea, and he would go with the South Koreans to the border. I think I I want to say it's the 42nd parallel or the demilitarized zone. Yeah, it's well. There's the demilitarized zone, and it's right yeah, on some parallel. Yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. If listeners, if you know, go ahead and correct us. We're not very good at that, but. On the North Korean side, because right down this little kind of house, it sat half on the South Korean side, half on the North Korean side, and there was a table where you would sit and talk and negotiate. (laughs) on (laughs) On the South Korean side, there were a couple of cheap metal folding chairs. And on the North Korean side, there was this big giant throne. <laughs> <laughs> and a big fridge full of goodies, right? They're I like, guess so. Yeah, North Koreans have their little box, and the South Koreans have a big refrigerator full of things that they're not sharing. I, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, and I guess if they did have a big refrigerator on their side, that would represent all the food in North Korea. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but it was pretty interesting how they're trying to use that, the subliminal stuff. You know, we're sitting above you, looking down on you to to influence the negotiation and whatever was happening there. <laughs> so there you go. Educational, huh? Educational. There we go. Well, let's get into it then. What, what do you say? We've got an article today, the Geeky Article Moment, brought to you by me today there you go. and not Kurt. You are not going to be geeking out. You are very <laughs> jealous. I'll just sit back and relax and let you tell us about it. Yeah, you're going to be over there chewing on your pocket protector out of sheer jealousy <laughs> because I get the Geeky Article Moment. Uh, All right, take it away. Yeah. So this is from Harvard Business Review, an article on how to resolve conflict. Written from a leadership perspective, I know that many of you that listen to the show that are persuading and influence for a living, your leaders, your managers, that is involved in your business in, in some way, shape, or form. And what this article talks about are two different things. Is If you're going to manage a conflict between two workers or vendors or or whatever, you've got to first decide, is it hot or cold? A hot conflict being, okay, people have used profanity, emotions are out of control, the situation has become unpredictable, Uh, people saying what they feel is not really the problem here. (laughs) Okay, that is already happening. Versus a cold conflict, people are suppressing emotions, uh, they're muttering under their breath, they're pursing their lips, they're acting withdrawn or controlled, but nonetheless you know that there is a conflict there. Right, So the article goes on about uh, dealing with that and how sometimes when you deal with a hot conflict and you're going to bring those two people into the same room, which is not advisable many times, mm-hmm. you have to very firmly set the ground rules ahead of time. If you do this, this is what's going to happen. Right. Whereas in a cold one, that's the opposite problem. You need to get these people to talk because they're, they're deliberately suppressing these things. So... He gives a few pointers, and I'll read a few of them here so that uh, we can uh, talk about them or learn from them. But if you're managing a conflict, number one, make time your ally. Don't rush to act. 
unless you're in danger, take stock of your options. Otherwise, you might say or do something you regret. Sometimes these conflicts, I think, I know it's this way for me, Kurt, but I feel like I got to do something right now. And that's not always the case. Sometimes, a lot of times, these things work themselves out, don't they? A lot of times when people figure out they're getting too hot or things are out of control or they get a little blood back in their brain, as we've talked about before, they kind of figure it out for themselves. And sometimes that's important because if you try to jump in too soon and, and figure it out for them, you're going to have different results. Yeah, yeah. Let's skip a few here. I like this one. Listen to everything but respond selectively. You don't have to address every point, just the ones that make a difference. Now that's kind of counterintuitive to persuasion where we're we're listening, we're making people feel understood, but I, I think that you were doing that in this instance and ignoring the, the pot shots and the, the negative things and not responding to that kind of behavior probably is going to help cool off the situation, don't you think? Oh, I agree. I agree. Yeah. A third one, take stock before you take sides. Don't speak or take any other action until you've really heard the other person out. Don't leap to conclusions before you have a firm grasp of the situation at hand. And finally, and there's plenty of more, plenty more of these, and I'll post them on the blog. Consider calling in a third party. Someone who's not involved in the conflict may be able to provide vital perspective for both parties. So I think that that's a stuff that we all know, but it helps to hear it because we become creatures of habit. How many times have you been involved in a conflict or had to mediate a conflict? And because it's an uncomfortable situation, it's very, very easy for your brain to go back into old habits and, and just go through those that old programming that you have in place. So next time you have a conflict in the workplace or anywhere, try to keep these things in mind and you know, it's going to turn out a lot better for you. Anything to say about that, Kurt, before we move on? No, to I agree. Piece? Your ability to adapt, your ability to keep your emotions in check, and the ability to be professional saying, you know what? I'm not doing this. I need to bring in that third party. I need to bring someone else that's not emotionally involved because I'm getting too involved here. But sometimes our ego gets in the way. Well, I can handle this. I can do this. And it just gets worse and worse. And so that's professional that says, you know what? I've gone as far as I can and I'm getting nowhere. Help me out. That's a sign of a true professional. Yep, I think so. I think so. And in that old school business world of old school negotiation, admitting a weakness, they will try to avoid that at any cost. And I think that's increasingly becoming just such a turnoff to people where somebody can't admit that they made a mistake or is always just trying to look totally infallible. And that's that's probably one of the dirty deeds is is not being able to to admit any kind of mistake or anything like that in that posturing. Is that one of the deeds or at least a piece of them? It's a piece of a deed where they have a mistake or, or something happens or we never talked about this or we never did that or we didn't agree upon that. That is definitely the one. Or even worse, what I call the oops is where, oh, well, let's just make that one change in the contract. I'll have my secretary do it. And all of a sudden, if you don't check it, 10 things have been changed. You're like, really? It's one of the dirtier deeds. How do you handle that? This might be slightly up topic, but I think we've all had this happen where somebody in a negotiation or some kind of a business interaction says, well, we talked about such and such. Why is that not in there? Or, hey, we didn't ever discuss that. Why is that there? And you know full well that it is. And this person is either being manipulative or they're stupid. Maybe you have written proof in an email or something. I was listening to a lecture last week with an attorney speaking, and he said, he called this the golden email rule, which is, if it benefits you, 
document it with an email. If it benefits them, discuss it over a phone call. <laughs> because, you know, he wants you to have that in writing that, hey, this is what we talked about, but if it's not in your favor, he wants it to be open to interpretation. Maybe they don't remember, they remember what they want to remember, but when they go change the contract and the wrong thing gets changed, or, oh, how did that get in there? We didn't talk about that, or, well, no, we never agreed to that. I think it's very short-term, I think it's very deceitful. And the solution is, hey, you have someone else to your contract, or maybe you have to read the whole thing every time. But here's the thing. Never assume. When you're into a negotiation, usually it'll probably last over maybe a few emails, some phone calls face-to-face. Before you start each meeting, and this is good to open the door to influence a negotiation, is, so you know what? Let's review what we've agreed upon to this point. Right? Let's talk about say we agreed upon this. This is where we're at. This is what we're doing. And you have it all documented. You have the email printed. You have, you know, on the 13th, we talked about this. Open the door for that so that doesn't happen. When they start changing things on the contract that you didn't give permission to, you got to do that gut check that we talked about last time is, whoa, whoa, whoa. Do, how bad do I need this deal? Am I running? Is it a big deal? What am I going to do in this situation? Yeah, that's true because that's what makes some of these things dirty is – they get you, right? Mm-hmm. You you might be walking away from a deal and you just know you it's kind of the cost of doing business in many cases, <laughs> right? It's just it, annoying. I'd say it's tough to do even at a car dealership. After, you know, you've been there for six hours. They've lost your trade and then all of a sudden the numbers change. Oh, they forgot to add the air conditioning. Oh, I need to go talk to... After investing so much time, you know they're being dirty. You know you're getting taken advantage of a little, but you're like, I can't do this again. Let's just do the deal. And you and a lot of people just do it because oh, I don't want to do this another time with another dealer for another six hours. I think there's some people out there that just enjoy the haggle, don't you? <laughs> yeah, some people feel it's a game and they go back and forth. They think they're Mr. or Mrs. Negotiator and it's trying to find that. In fact, when you go to third world countries like maybe it's the Caribbean or Mexico, they th- go in and I'm a great negotiator. And the store owner's just laughing because they're going to take you <laughs> – they're going to get their money out of you when you're leaving thinking you got a great deal, which is a great negotiation. I guess both sides felt that they won. Yeah, yeah. Those guys, they're, they're some of the best. They do that all day, every single oh, yeah. day. They're good. Some tourist from America comes down for 20 minutes and thinks he's conquered the world. I doubt it. <laughs> I like, doubt it. I took him from $100 down to 10 You're like, oh, it's only worth two. <laughs> <laughs> it costs all the five cents to make. It says made in China right on it. You bought it in Mexico, but it's made in China. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have one of those shirts that says different island, same crap? I've got the hat. <laughs> oh, okay. The hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is the same crap. Well, anyways, I got a little bit off topic there. I was just, to, you know, that's the cost of doing business. A lot of times is you just have to put up with the dirty deeds. So what are some of the other deeds? we Last week, just to review for everybody, we talked about a few of these and the more common ones. For example, and we just brought this up, offering less at the last minute, right? You've got the deal all wrapped up and they show up and say, well, we, I thought we had a deal, but I can only get this. And it puts you in that awkward position of, are you going to back out on principle or what are you going to do? You've got hecklers, people who are insulting you and causing problems during the negotiation in order to rattle you a little bit. And then you've got the the people who act offended or who act shocked or surprised when you make the offer uh, in order to try to reset your expectations. Beyond those, Kurt, what other dirty deeds are, are the listeners likely to see out there? Well, let me give you a, a medium dirty, okay? Because this is something you could strategically use in the right ways in your business because 
if you're the president or CEO and they know that the buck stops with you, a lot of times in negotiation, you can't pull what I call the higher authority. Oh, wait a minute. I'd like to make the decision, but I can't. I have to talk to my spouse. I have to talk to the president. I'd like to do it, but I got to do this first. Hey, if it up to me, we do it right now, but I got to go talk to so-and-so. And that buys time for them and it gives you a way out. So a lot of times that might be a good thing for you. If you're not ready to make a decision, sometimes pulling the higher authority, talking to somebody is very beneficial. So some people use it in a dirty way. It could be used in a good way, but that's something you have to be ready for that if you're the CEO or president, they're going to expect you to make that decision. So a lot of people who actually print out cards who do a lot of negotiation, their business cards, and they'll just put associate on it instead of CEO. You print a setup for your family that says president, and then you print <laughs> up the real one that you use. And that's okay. You could do that. So that's a medium. You just have to be ready when they say, well, I got to talk to somebody. And how do you handle that? And maybe it's all up front. Well, I need to know who's going to be involved in the final decision. Are you the final decision maker? Agree on a deadline if they are going to talk to somebody. But I think the main thing here is, well, let's set up an appointment to talk to them together. The most important thing to realize is nobody influences as well as you do about your product or service. And if you're not in on the meeting, they won't be able to handle the objections. And a lot of times, if you could get on the meeting or you can prep them to answer the objections or questions, that helps out. But be aware, too, this could be a knee-jerk reaction. Well, I have to talk to uh, my partners. Well, what exactly do you need to talk to them about? Oh, everything. Well, you know, that's a knee-jerk reaction. They're probably just saying that, but you have to be ready for that one. So that's a minor one, which is much different than what I call the press, the confrontation. They're in your face. Well, you have to do better than that. You have to give it to me at $100 a unit or there's no deal. You have to decide right now. You've got 30 seconds to decide. They look at their watch. Man, in your face, very aggressive. They're trying to regain control. And that's a tough one when they're in your face because a lot of times if you're not ready mentally, you're going to bend to their will and what they want. So the solution there is, remember, there's always power in in answering a question with a question. Well, you're going to have to do better than that. Okay, well, how much more do you need? What exactly are you looking for? Pretty simple. It's back to them. Well, you're going to have to do better than that or or no deal. Well, what's your basis for saying that? Or why do you want it for $100 a unit? What exactly are you looking for? When they're in your face like that, gain control with another question. Say, okay, tell me what you need, what you're looking for. Why? Let's talk about it. And that's a good way to go through that, especially when they're in your face, very emotional, very aggressive. I wonder how effective that is these days, that you got to make a decision in 30 seconds or else. I, I would think that just with everybody more educated and more skeptical, that's probably going to be a deal killer in a lot of instances. Then again, I go, look, if a guy's using that technique, he's probably been getting away with it for quite some time and uh, only pulling it out when he knows he's got somebody vulnerable that doesn't know any better. Well, even a blind pig can find food, (laughs) (laughs) meaning that it's working. That's why they're using it. It's worked before. And that's something that you have to put in consideration. Some people will put up with that. Some people won't. But that's one of the techniques that they're still teaching out there. Very aggressive in your face and going after you. I had an instance where I used that, but it was entirely appropriate. We were selling real estate on a late night kind of infomercial auction format. So we would feature a property on TV and this, this was literally an auction. People would call and they would make bids. And then at a certain period of time, we'd move on to the next property, right? Sold. And these people would call and I was working the phones in the back room, one of the guys back there and this guy was on the phone, well, I just don't know, and I'm watching the monitor, we're getting ready to go to the next property, and I had to tell him, I said, hey, look, buddy, 
if this isn't for you, we got to know now. Are you buying the property? Well, I don't know. I said, yes or no, now, right? <laughs> and it's because we're on live TV. I've got 30 people behind him on the phone. So I could use that. And granted, it was a high amount of pressure. And, and it didn't feel great to do it. But the situation called for it, right? I mean, this is a situation where you can get away with doing that kind of a thing. And I think people where they make the mistake is, well, you talking to an insurance broker or you talking to somebody in a retail atmosphere, that's not that kind of a deal. You're not burning through valuable airtime. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. If there's legitimate scarcity and urgency and it's believable that, look, look, there's 30 people in line. I got it on right now. If you're in a, a live auction, you know it's time to make a decision. But if it's something that you could decide any time for the next 30 days or for the next year, then it's going to backfire. Yeah, you know? yeah. It was entirely appropriate. Therefore, very, very effective because the urgency was legitimate and it was believable. But when there is no legitimately believable urgency, trying to pull out that 30-second deal, I just, I probably would laugh out loud. I thought, would you laugh out loud if somebody did that to you? Probably. I would say something like, really? You're using that <laughs> technique on me? That's the oldest one in the book. And that kind of neuters them real fast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. What happens? What happens if I don't decide in 30 seconds? What, what's going to explode? Yeah. <laughs> like, you just put on your watch. All right. I'll decide in 40 seconds. Yeah. See. So you're little, telling me if I decide in 32, there. no deal. That's right. <laughs> what are some of the other dirty deeds uh, that, that we should be looking out for? One thing, and this is part of the law of contrast, where they're going to come in really high or really low. I call it the low ball, high ball, where they're going to come in and say, well, I want to pay 250000 take it or leave it. Or you tell them the price, and they, you must be joking. No, it's not worth that. It's, and they just keep adjusting the price by starting really, really high or really low. And there's some truth to using that contrast, but they're getting way in the insult zone. You might be selling a home for $300,000, a law for one twenty-five. I mean, just way out there. And they're trying to change your expectations. They're trying to maybe intimidate you a little bit. The dirty part of this, too, is let's go back to the real estate example. You might be selling that home for 300 and they're going to send five of their colleagues to your house that day. Oh, I'll give you 150 I'll give you $200. i will give you 175 And all of a sudden, your brain's like, whoa, I must be way off the last five offers. And they're just adjusting your expectations. And you got to be, be careful of that. And you need to know the way you deal with this is you need to know what it's worth. What's your range that you're going to accept? And you might ask, well, what's your rationale? How did you get that number? And if they're like, well, I just know, they're pulling it out of the air. But if they say, well, I took this comp and I did this, I did this, then you know they're not pulling it out of the air. Maybe you want to just smile or laugh and say, no, really, give me your real number. <laughs> Quit kidding, right? Throw it back at them one big. Humor is a great way to handle a lot of these. But a lot of times you're just trying to adjust your expectations. Just because you had five offers that are just way out in left field, they could all be from the same company. They're trying to adjust your expectations. You got to be very careful with this one. Mm, yeah, yeah. I run into that. That's that's my day every single day. <laughs> <laughs> Is dealing with people's expectations on in, specifically in this case real estate. So I know where you're coming from there, and, and plenty of dirty deeds. You know what? I it, it's funny. I, I get this a lot. I went through a house today, and this thing was just completely trashed. Okay. We were going we're gonna to have to get the contractor in there, tear out the drywall, go completely down to the studs on this property, new plumbing, new wiring, everything. And, of course, the owner of the house thinks, oh, you don't have to do all that, right? You could sell it like it is, but it's, <laughs> it's disgusting. So their, their expectations are, are completely in a different, different stratosphere than they need to be. So 
the funny thing is I've noticed is if I get into that and I can sense that their expectations are completely out of whack and I know that they've talked to some other people or they're going to be talking to other investors that are going to offer them, I tell them that, you know, I, I need to uh, circle back, get some numbers, call my corporate office and uh, I'll, I'll call you in a day or two. Let me know where everybody else comes in because if they come in about where, where you are telling me you think the house is worth, I could be missing something, right? And I, I need to make sure I'm doing this right. So what happens is these other people, they're the ones that go throwing themselves into the wood chipper first. <laughs> because <laughs> if you're that first guy to make the lowball offer, you're the bearer of bad news, right? And it, it hurts a lot less coming after that. And that was the case today. I could just tell these people were in, in a totally different galaxy on their, on their price. <laughs> What other deeds, uh, probably have time for one more, Kurt. What else should the listeners be aware of here? Well, I'm going to call this one shocking behavior. This is something that we're like, really? You're an adult? You're acting this way? It could be a temper. It could be a tantrum. It could be pouting. It could be insults. It could be your surroundings. They're just trying to get you emotionally involved. you got to be careful of this. Yeah, adults will throw insults. They'll make fun of your mom, what you're wearing, what you do, insults and pouting. And, and you'll see this from adults. It's amazing how often this happens because when those emotions hit, you'll see things like them cutting off the bottom of your chair, just an inch so your chair's a little bit shorter than everyone else's. They might have you sit in the sun. They might order food and not offer you any. They might smoke in a non-smoking room. They might turn up the heat and sweat you out. These are all things like, really? And yes, they will happen. I've done so many negotiation seminars, and you always see people shaking their head. Yeah, that's happened, that's happened, that's happened. So how do you handle that? Well, the first one is if they're going out of control and and throwing a temper tantrum, maybe you want to be silent, ignore what's happening, don't even dress it, and just keep going like it never happened. You might say, well, that's an interesting point. Thanks for your feedback. You didn't tell them that they're wrong and, and keep going. And you might need to ask, do we need a break? Sometimes you just need to calm on it. Is there any reason my chair is shorter than everyone else's? Move your chair if it's in the sun. If they didn't order your food, go get your own. If they're going to smoke in a non-smoky room, you have to figure out how to deal with that. But these are ploys, these are techniques to give them the mental psychological edge to get you upset, to get you emotionally involved so they will get a better deal. Very old school, very dirty, stay in control, and sometimes just identify exactly what they're doing. Now, these sound like Tony Soprano tactics. <laughs> they are. But you'll be surprised how often it happens. You might not notice your chair is a little bit shorter. You just feel a little more intimidated, maybe. Right? They for- oh, they forgot to order you food. Just might say, you know what? They're- give me five minutes. I need to get myself some food. It didn't bother you. You're in control. Hey, there's any reason we can turn the heat down? Because they're hot, too. Things you can address and be in control. Remember, just with the heckler, they're trying to get a reaction. Don't give them one. And they might try some of these dirty things. And the main thing here is... Being in control psychologically, it's going to happen. What are you going to do? It's not affecting you, and it won't affect your bottom line. Good call. Good call. Anything else you want to talk about on Dirty Deeds before we get to our blunder for the week? Just with these, don't use them. Be aware of them, and just smile on the inside. It's kind of fun. You're like, really? I'm sitting in a smaller chair. You might even just think that to yourself. But you're smiling on the inside. You're like, wow, that's old school. And they use them because they don't have any other tools. It's what they've been taught. That's what they're supposed to use. They really don't know how to truly influence. And when you keep that in your back pocket, again, you will get a better deal. You should know, too, that the reason they're doing this kind of stuff is because they're not very confident in their position. Right? When you're they're not confident. confident. Yeah. They don't have a lot of tools. They don't know what to do next. 
So they're going to resort to the yelling, the anger, the things that work every once in a while that you're like, really? But you'll see them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what you've got to do. That's, that's, that's a good piece of advice because they're doing it. They're not confident. Smile on the inside. No, you've got them right where you want them <laughs> because they're resorting to these kind of circus tactics because they can't get the deal done on its merits. Maybe when they do that, a smile and a little evil laugh just to throw it back at them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Give them the moo-ha-ha-ha, you know. That's so you right. Do your best evil laugh. Kind of put your fingers together like Dr. Evil. It'll be great. It'll be great. <laughs> well, Kurt, cue up the Homer. Homer, bring it home. Don't, don't, don't. There he is. Don't. Okay, so this is kind of slimy. Obviously not as bad as your Tony Soprano negotiation <laughs> tactics, but this was actually told to me by a relative of mine. I remember it happened to me last year. And you don't have to raise your hand, but you're going to know who here has been called by an insurance broker of some kind in the last 12 months, right? <laughs> Happens a lot. Well, this particular insurance broker called up my, my relative and said, hey, it's a bill over at State Farm. We just, I don't think my office got you that quote in time, and we're just following up to make sure that you finally got it. Now, here's the question, Kurt. Do you think that, this is my mom actually, did she ask for a quote from State Farm? I would say, statistics say, mm, no. No, she did not. <laughs> and so, of course, where does the conversation go? What? What are you talking about? Oh, you didn't get the quote? No, I didn't get, I didn't even ask for, oh, well, let me get that over to you right away. And it's a very, very cheap way, very underhanded way of trying to get a dialogue started about insurance. It's not a very exciting topic to talk about. I guess these guys are resorting to whatever they can to get somebody to talk to them. <laughs> so there you go. What do you think? Is that pretty common in the business world? It's common and it's dirty. That's along with the dirty deeds and it's happened so many times to me. I'm sitting in my office and the receptionist will say, hey, you got a call from so-and-so. They said you've talked before. You're expecting his or her call. And I'm like, I don't know this person. And sometimes I'll take it. Sometimes I won't. And then there's, and I don't know who this is. They're starting a whole, our whole business relationship on a lie that we have an appointment that I've talked to them before that they're expecting my call. Yeah, it works every once in a while. You'll catch somebody off guard, but I'm thinking you want my money and you just lied to me. You want me to trust you and you just lied to me. And to me, it's like, wow, short term, maybe you're getting through the gatekeeper and getting the phone call, but long term, man, you're losing a lot of business. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen kind of a derivative of this. There's, there's a, a marketing technique out there called voicemail broadcast, which you're aware of this, but Listeners, you've received them, and when you pick up the phone and it's a message just playing, they're trying to get to their voicemail. They want to leave you a voicemail, but you picked up, so you're getting the recorded message. And it's mostly targeted, I've noticed, in the network marketing industry, and I've been in that industry before. But you'll get a message like, hey, it's Bill. I've got that information you requested about losing 10 pounds in two weeks. If you go to lose 10 pounds, you're going to see on there everything that we talked about the other day and how anybody can really lose that weight, pretending that you had some kind of conversation before, I guess in an attempt to get your guard down so you're trying to listen to the message. But pretty cheesy, pretty cheesy. Cheesy and old school. And yeah, again, short term, you got through the gatekeeper, but long term, I'm thinking to myself, you just lied to me. Really? You yeah. <laughs> no trust, no sale. I can see how the, the network marketing voicemail 
uh, you're at least getting a message out there. But like what you're talking about, you're sitting at your desk. And now this guy who you were allegedly expecting the appointment, what's he going to do? Play dumb? You know, oh, not that curtain more. So I must have got the wrong one. But while I have you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just amazing to me. There's got to be some way to play back. Say, did you want Kurt W. Mortensen or Kurt G. Mortensen or Kurt S. Mortensen or Kurt F. Mortensen? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. And where did you purchase this lead and why are you calling and what's going on? And then, oh, that's a different Kurt Mortensen. I mean, there's got to be to have fun and play with that. And that's what we got to start doing. Start recording some of these cheesy people that call up with these terrible scripts and play them for the listeners as the blunder of the week. As the blunder of the week, yes. You know, you feel bad for them. They're trying to make a buck. Everybody's doing the best they can. But some of them are just too horrible not to call attention to. You just can't look away. <laughs> and the thing is, we've all done a few of these and had a, some bad presentations. So I think we are all in that category where we could be made fun of. Yeah, we have. And some of these that sales managers or sales trainers ask you to do, it just makes you want to take a shower, right? I pulled insurance once. And the whole script of this company, they, they had us on a dialer, right? You know what a dialer is. Oh, yeah. They, they feed numbers into it, and you're sitting there, and boom, the phone's ringing, and it comes up on your computer screen that you're calling Susie from Fort Worth about insurance, right? <laughs> and it was so misleading and so manipulative of what they would have us do. You say, tell me about your insurance, and, well, we can get you in at this price, and you just start taking them through the application. They're applying for insurance and they don't even know it. And and you get them so far down the line that now you're asking for a routing number and a checking account number and they're going, wait, what's going on here? <laughs> and it just relied on personality types that eventually you would get that white personality that didn't want to cause the awkwardness because you assumed that they were applying for insurance and they didn't know they were, but they don't want to make things awkward. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it relies on entirely. And I remember I actually, Kurt, I talked to you shortly after this. That I was going through an application and somebody asked a question and I gave him my honest opinion that, you know, I don't think this is going to work for you. And the sales manager was hovering and he said, oh, Steve, what are you doing? What are you doing? And it's because I was just completely twisting this arm, the arm of this person and tricking them into applying for insurance. And I put the headset down and I said, I'm done. <laughs> this is not for me. And I called you uh, afterwards. This was early on when, uh, when we knew each other. And you told me the worst day as an entrepreneur is better than the best day as an employee. <laughs> There's a lot of truth to that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's true. That's true. So, yeah, just really manipulative, dirty stuff. And I think you've got to sound the tangent alert because I certainly went on one. All right. All right. Don't let me get away with it. So that's it for the blunder. Anything else you want to add before we close up shop for the day? Yeah, just be perceptive here. Mentally, these are going to happen. Again, smile on the inside. That's so important. And that's so much power to you when you realize they're not very good at this. That's the only tool they have. I got more tools than that. That gives you power to realize ah, they're not all that. I can do this. I can negotiate a great deal here. Yep, yep. There you go. So. We'll go ahead and hang it up. I'm going, to go, I'm going to wish all of our listeners here in the United States and North Korea a very happy 4th of July. Uh, the rest of you, I understand it's not necessarily applicable, but I uh, wish you a great week and great success anyway. And we will talk to you next week on another episode of Maximize Your Influence. Talk to you next week.